Who'd have thunk it could be so hard just to take a bath? I'm Shannon Hayes, and you're listening to Season 4, Episode 3 of The Hearth of Sapwish Hollow. Sapbush Hollow Farm with three generations of my family in the northern Catskill Mountains of upstate New York. I'm the chef owner of Sapbush Cafe, a farm to table and neighbor to neighbor experience, open Saturdays 9 to 2 from April through November in our tiny hamlet of West Fulton. And I'm also the author of a few books, including Radical Homemakers, The Grass Fed Gourmet, and Redefining Rich. The last time I bought a bar of soap was in 1999. That was the year Bob was fired on November 1st. That was the year I spent a lot of time in the woods contemplating home economics and financial security. We were down to our last few dollars when we made a counterintuitive decision. Rather than use the money to cover expenses, we used it to buy materials to make homemade lip balm. We did this because we realized that I was always buying lip balm. I had very chapped lips. So rather than letting it be a source of outflow, we turned lip balm into a source of income. We sold the balm to our farm meat customers. I took boxes of lip balm out to Cornell and sold it from my desk between classes. Within a few weeks, we had doubled our initial investment. I took the profits and used them to buy supplies for making soap and sold it the same way. Between the farm, the odd jobs we picked up in the spare hours that went to making homemade soap and lip balm, and then hand salves and bath salts and candles and on and on, we were working pretty hard. But we kept up with the bills, the house got paid off, and we started a family. And we never had to buy soap. We lived cheap, eating farm surplus and washing with the end cuts from our homemade soaps. We used the money from the soap, the lip balm, and the other micro-enterprises to launch our website and to start publishing my books. 
Our house was our workshop, studio, and daycare center in a constant state of upheaval with my desk and bedside table heaped with books for research, a never-ending stream of dirty dishes beside the sink, kid detritus across the floors, wax drippings from candle dipping on the counters, soap pots and lye stacked in totes on the floor, and snips of paper and ribbons littering the carpet from our packaging marathons. Shoved in between it all was always the next meal on the stove, a batch of kombucha fermenting away, or some canning project. Outside would be flowers and gardening projects, vegetables, raspberries, grapes, blueberries, and always homemade soap. Then, one day, it all seemed to explode into the next venture— purchasing the old firehouse and post office, renting out the downstairs apartment, building the cafe, remodeling the upstairs into an Airbnb. And I gave up on the flowers outside my door at home. With all the cafe leftovers, I ran out of fridge space and patience for kombucha. Then I gave up on the gardening. Then I stopped making candles. My time was going to farm accounting, writing, homeschooling, and then... Every spare minute went into that cafe, baking and cooking and ordering supplies and calculating recipe costs and cleaning. But I still made soap. It was basic economics. The materials were easily had from our resource base, and a few batches generated all the soap we would need for ourselves and to sell for a year. I reminded myself of this fact each year as I gathered my supplies and rendered the beef suet to make it. It's just a few hours, I'd tell myself as I worked to squeeze it into my schedule. The last batch of soap I made was in December of 2021. We slowly used it up, and I refused to buy soap. Homemade soap represented frugality, self-reliance, resourcefulness. I'll make more, I promised Bob and the kids. In the meantime, we watered down our dish soap and brought it into the shower with us. It would only be temporary until I got a chance to make more. I just needed to carve out a few hours. Fall came, no soap got made. Winter came, and we were still washing with watered-down dish soap. At one point, I heard Bob and the kids whispering back and forth. In secret, the girls had gone out and purchased soap behind my back, and they were hooking Bob up for a shower. By the end of winter, I found myself staring at my calendar and my to-do lists, admonishing myself for not making soap, for failing to provide for my family. I kept trying to figure out where exactly my time went to justify why I still hadn't made it. Well, Bob turned 65 this year, and I needed to engage in a period of self-education to understand Medicare. Two freezers at the farm were on the verge of failure and running up the electric bills, and I needed to research and develop a plan for financing the replacement and line up contractors to do the work. Then there was farm inventory and homeschooling and the daily bookkeeping and two book projects. But my life has always contained things like these, and my kids don't require my constant attention any longer. How is it that I could make soap when they were young and chaotic and dependent, but I can't find the time now? So then I started tallying up the minutes that added up to hours for the care and maintenance of my middle-aged body, 
10 minutes twice a day to stretch out the plantar fascia to keep my feet working so I don't cripple myself with plantar fasciitis. 20 minutes a day to do squats and lunges to keep my knees from giving out. 10 minutes a day to stretch my shoulders thoroughly so I don't succumb to frozen shoulder again. 30 minutes a day to do an aerobic workout for heart health. 20 minutes a day for meditation to manage my anxiety. 20 minutes a day for balance and core strengthening exercises to protect myself from severe injury should I fall while out hiking or working. I'm beginning to understand why people retire. It takes so much work to maintain an aging human body. It's impossible to find time to earn a living, let alone make soap. And then there's something else that seems to be eating into my time. A critical difference between 49-year-old Shannon and 29-year-old Shannon. I've developed a mulish insistence on doing things I want to. To do, spending an hour each day practicing music, retreating to my bedroom midday with a novel, writing fiction, watching a show with the kids in the evening, hanging out with my friends at music night, sitting by the wood stove and watching birds at the feeder, playing in the jazz band on Tuesday nights, disappearing with Bob the dogs and a pot of coffee into the woods for hours at a stretch, watching the evening light reach across the front field while sipping an evening cocktail. Some might call these leisure activities. But as I age, I am losing patience with that term. It suggests to me as though these uses of my time are less important than flipping eggs at the cafe, churning out another book, updating the farm website, or paying the feed bill, or making soap. I am simply no longer willing to compromise about using the hours in my day in the pursuit of these deep pleasures. That doesn't mean I have fallen out of love with my work. I love slipping into the cafe early with Sersha on Saturday mornings, baking the bread and the pastries and dialing in the espresso machine. I love welcoming the customers as they make their way in over the course of the day. I love sitting with mom and dad and reviewing the farm production plan or learning more about managing the farm. I love helping Sersha by editing one of her college papers or helping Ula puzzle through a homeschool project. So as I wrap up my temporal accounting, I have only one conclusion. There's too much to do and not enough time to do it. I have always tried to fit more hours into the day. And in that trying, I always fail. Sometimes I don't find enough time to practice music. Sometimes I forget to update a menu or the website. Sometimes I fail to respond to an email or a phone call. Sometimes I forget to comb my hair or take a bath. Sometimes I skip cocktail hour or meditation or reading or morning coffee in the woods. Sometimes I skip closing out the books. But I keep trying. And I think that's because in the non-stop trying, my life stays full and happy. My knees bend. My shoulders stay loose my mind calm, relatively, and engaged. Recognizing this, while out with my sister-in-law last week, I did something crazy that I haven't done in almost a quarter of a century. I bought soap, and I came home and enjoyed a long, hot bath. (laughs) 
Sapbush Cafe is now open for the season every Saturday from 9 to 2 until Thanksgiving, except October 21st and 29th when we plan to go on vacation. The prefix farm-to-table special for Saturday, April 22nd will be hot turkey sandwiches. Think of your favorite diner meal, then ramp it up to a glorious level. Our pasture-raised turkey simmered in a rich bone broth gravy, poured over fresh-baked brioche buns, or homemade gluten-free cornbread. We'll send it out with a side of buttery mashed potatoes, German-style sweet and sour cabbage, red cabbage braised with cider vinegar, apples, and raisins, and a slice of homemade pie for dessert. It's $28.95. Our special for Saturday, April 29th, will be Merg Makani, Indian butter chicken over organic rice paired with homemade chutney, and a slice of my super creamy cheesecake. You can check out the weekly prefix farm-to-table specials on the blog at sapbush.com. Our online website, sapbushfarmstore.com, continues to be stocked with our grass-fed and pastured meats and eggs, as well as wool bedding and yarn. Feel free to check it out. Or better yet, if you're in the area, come by the Honor Store any time of the day or night, located in the Little Red Shed at the back of the cafe parking lot. The address is 832 West Fulton Road, West Fulton, New York. If you'd like to come see us for a getaway, our farm-to-table retreat on Panther Creek is taking bookings through Airbnb, and Sersha and Ula have now opened the tender site to accept bookings. You can find it by searching for Calico Ridge Sapbush Hollow at tenter.com. If you want to stay on top of cafe and farm specials, farm happenings, or follow my musings on the blog when the podcast goes silent in the winter, be sure to head over to the website at either sapbush.com or theradicalhomemaker.net and sign up for the newsletter. We do not do social media, so this is the only way to keep tabs on us. Plus, when you do, you can download a free workbook that pairs with my latest book, Redefining Rich, winner of a Nautilus and an Axiom Medal. If you enjoy the slower things in life, you can also join our snail mail list and get Ula's hand-drawn postcards with notices about special offers and our CSA program. You can even be entered in a drawing to win a free CSA share by emailing me at shannon at sapwish.com with your address. If you enjoyed this, please take a few minutes to leave a review. This helps other folks find my work. And please share this podcast with friends and family. This really helps to get the ideas to spread. Better still, you can help make the magic happen for as little as $1 a month by hopping over to Patreon and looking up Shannon Hayes. Or if it's easier, you can also donate to support the podcast by sending a check to Shannon Hayes, care of Sapwish Hollow Farm, 832 West Fulton Road, West Fulton, New York, 12194. And that's a really important thing to do because all of this, the podcast, the blog, the novels and books, and the creative recharging that happens over fall and winter are a result of the support of my patrons on Patreon. And this week, I'd like to send a shout out to my patrons, Kim Cobersman and Kay Robeson. Thank you, folks. I could not do it without you. In case you were wondering, this podcast was produced and edited by the sexiest man alive, my husband, Bob Hooper, and the great music we're listening to comes to us from Emory. That's E-M-O-R-I-E. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Now the birds are singing about all the things they've seen over in the other countries, sowing seeds and Stay